48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Maggie Ho. An expert has called on the government to extend the ban on flights from India, Pakistan and the Philippines given the surge of coronavirus in these countries. The government's been urged to, t- to uh, step up promotion of COVID vaccines to boost take-up rates. People who've been to Harbour City in Chimsachoe last Sunday are queuing up for COVID tests after the government issued a mandatory testing order. A specialist in respiratory medicine says people who've spent time in India, Pakistan and the Philippines should be banned from coming to Hong Kong for as long as it takes for the coronavirus situation in those places to improve. The government has announced a two-week ban on flights from these three countries after identifying two community cases in the SAR of a highly infectious mutant strand of COVID-19. But Dr. Leung Chi Chiu says a 14-day ban is not enough. I don't expect after 14 days uh, will be uh, a sufficient period uh, for the pandemic situation in the three countries to improve. We will have to keep this ban unless the situation there uh, improve or unless we have devised other measures to reduce uh, the chance of importation of uh, these uh, dangerous uh, variants into Hong Kong. A spokesman for the Asian Migrants Coordinating Body, Iman Valenueva, says he expects that at least a thousand domestic helpers won't be able to come to Hong Kong because of the flight bans. He also says suggestions that helpers might must be vaccinated before arriving are not realistic. In case the government would require that those coming into Hong Kong should be vaccinated first, then the Hong Kong government should also consider that any expense related to deployment of migrant workers should be paid for by the employers. And in the case of migrant workers coming from the Philippines, the government doesn't have enough vaccines to vaccinate the Filipinos. In fact, they are having a problem right now. The rollout of vaccination is very slow. Vaccination should not be made mandatory. It has to be voluntary. It has to be an informed decision of the person involved, whether a migrant worker or anyone. University of Hong Kong microbiologist Ho Pak Leung said the government acted too slowly, noting that the number of imported COVID-19 cases has been increasing for the past two to three weeks. He also urged the government to step up anti-infection measures at quarantine hotels, saying the virus could have been transmitted among guests and staff. However, Professor David Hoy, who advises the government on his anti-epidemic strategy, said he believes the first person to be found with the coronavirus variant in the community did not contract the virus locally, but had an exceptionally long incubation period. The patient tested negative for COVID-19 during his 21-day quarantine after he arrived from Dubai last month, but was found to carry the mutant strand last week. A friend he lived with during his stay in Hong Kong has also been infected with a variant. Meanwhile, medical experts are urging the government to do more to reassure the public about the safety of coronavirus vaccines to boost the take-up rate. In Hong Kong, 5.7% of eligible people are fully vaccinated, a figure that officials said are unsatisfactory. The vaccines are available to everyone aged 16 and over. Almost 720,000 people have had their first dose, while some 370,000 have had both. Professor Benjamin Cowling from the University of Hong Kong's School of Public Health says medical records from Israel and the United States show there have been no issues with the BioNTech vaccine. You can 
contrast that with what's been discovered for the AstraZeneca vaccine and the Johnson Johnson vaccine with very, very rare occurrence of this particular blood clot that has been picked up. So if there was something to worry about with BioNTech, we can be reassured that it would have been picked up and it hasn't been picked up. So I think for Hong Kong, that's really reassuring. A large queue of people seeking coronavirus tests has formed at Harbour City in Chim Sa Choi. Over fears a highly infectious strand of the virus is spreading in the community. The government ordered a mass testing exercise after a man carrying a mutated form of the virus visited the shopping mall on April the 11th. A man in a queue told RTHK he is not too worried because he only visited a bookstore and did not take off his mask. But a woman said she feels anxious because she stayed at a restaurant with her children for about two hours on that day. A legal academic at HKU Space says the national security law may be amended specifically to deal with the news media, which the legislation itself calls for greater measures to regulate and manage. Danny Gittings was speaking to RTHK after Police Commissioner Chris Tang warned that the security law could be used to tackle what he called fake news. John Levy, Secretary for Security, specifically referred to elements of the media that were still uh, promoting Hong Kong independence. Uh, the way Chris Tang talked about it, uh, he seemed to be suggesting using existing legislation, which again would uh, almost certainly mean the national security law. Um, and you have a number of possibilities here, don't you? Um, Kerry Lamb talked about a uh, law against fake news, but any new law like that would take quite a long time, especially when LegCo has its hands full at the moment with the electoral changes and would also be vulnerable to constitutional challenge. So if they were to decide to take uh, legal action against sections of the media, I would have thought it's more likely that they would look at the national security law. Official data shows just over half of the adult population of the United States has now received at least one dose of coronavirus vaccine. That's about 130 million people. The Centers for Disease Control says almost a third of adults have also been fully vaccinated. The top COVID advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, warned the U.S. remained in a precautious situation. I think it's going to come down soon if we do two things. One that I'm sure we'll be able to do is to continue the really very fine rate of vaccination where we're vaccinating between three and four million people per day. But until we get to that point, we don't pull back on public health measures because we're having between 60 and 70,000 new infections per day. And it would really not be prudent at all to declare victory prematurely and pull back. The Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says he's sending federal health workers and equipment to Ontario to help the province cope with a surge in coronavirus cases. He said he was also working with other provinces and territories to get extra support for the populous province, particularly in the Toronto region. Australians have taken flights to New Zealand for the first time in more than 400 days without the need to quarantine on arrival. Australia's main airline, Qantas, said it was putting on 16 return flights and all were full. These people waiting to board planes were delighted they could travel. My daughter has been in New Zealand since January 20. She's dancing in a dance crew over um, in Auckland, so finally 
I left her there, she was 15, she's 16 now, so it's a bit emotional for me. I think there's going to be a few tears, <laughs> a lot of hugs, a lot of tears, but happy tears, so it should be good. We were there in January last year, we were fortunate to go back for a wedding, but yeah, since they locked it down and we haven't been able to control that, it feels like forever. Both countries' strict lockdowns have contributed to a low incidence of coronavirus. Shops and churches in Brazil's most populous state, Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo have reopened after a month of lockdown, despite accelerating numbers of deaths from COVID-19. Here's the BBC's Candace Piet. Sao Paulo's government has been under constant pressure to reopen from local businessmen and evangelical churches. The decision was finally made when the capacity of occupied intensive care beds fell slightly to 85%. Health officials say that this is still too high and the situation is critical with record death rates in Sao Paulo for a second month in a row. They're also warning of increasing shortages of medicines and vaccines. Experts say deaths from COVID-19 are expected to rise to over 400,000 in Brazil in the next few weeks. The United States National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says there will be consequences if the Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny dies in prison. The US and the European Union both say they hold Russia accountable for his safety. Mr. Navalny has been Mr. Navalny has been on hunger strike for three weeks. His team says he's being killed in front of the whole world and has called for protests across Russia on Wednesday evening. His doctors say he's at risk of kidney and heart failure. But Russia's ambassador in London, Andrei Kellin, said his medical treatment would be taken care of. He will not be uh, allowed to die in prison, but I can say that uh, Mr. Navalny, he behaves like a hooligan, absolutely, in trying to violate every rule that has been established. Uh, his purpose of all of that is to attract attention uh, for him, also by saying that today his left hand is sick, uh, tomorrow is his leg is sick, and all of that stuff. Russia has announced that 20 diplomatic staff from the Czech Republic will be expelled from the country. Officials lodged a protest with the Czech ambassador over Prague's decision to expel 18 Russian diplomats. Czech officials suspect Russian agents were behind a deadly explosion at an arms depot seven years ago. Here's the BBC's Rob Cameron. 16 Czech diplomats and four support staff have until midnight on Monday to leave Moscow, barely 24 hours' notice. A senior Czech official said the tit-for-tat expulsions would wipe out virtually the entire political section of their Moscow embassy. It's understood that the loss of 20 employees represents around a quarter of the total Czech diplomatic presence in Russia, although the ambassador, Vítislav Pivonka, is being allowed to stay. New U.S. State Department said it stood with the Czech Republic in what it called its firm response against Russia's subversive action on Czech soil. And now a quick look at finance. Shares of mainland travel firm Trip.com have jumped as much as 5% in morning trading on their debut. The Baidu-backed firm earlier priced its Hong Kong stock at a 2% discount to its shares on the Nasdaq to raise about $8.5 billion. The secondary listing is among a pipeline of so-called homecoming stock by U.S.-listed mainland firms amid tense relations between Beijing and Washington. And a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 2,929,200. That's 
230 points up from the previous close. Turnover stands at $83 billion. Two currencies in a short while ago, the U.S. dollar was trading at 108.64 yen. The euro was standing at one U.S. dollar and 19 cents. The pound was worth Hong Kong 10 Hong Kong dollars and 75 cents. Now for the sports with Richard Pine. We start with the news that European football's governing body UEFA, the English Premier League and the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson have condemned 12 major European clubs, including the big six from England, signing up to a breakaway European Super League. Some of the big clubs in Spain and Italy are also involved. UEFA said it would use all measures possible to stop the project. The talk of a breakaway league comes as UEFA are set to confirm changes to the Champions League format. More from the BBC's Maz Faruqi. Yes, this is something that's been bubbling along below the surface for some time now. The so-called big players in Europe want a bigger say in how resources are allocated, for instance. And 11 clubs have reportedly signed up for the so-called European Super League, amongst them the two Manchester clubs, Liverpool, Chelsea, Juventus, AC Milan, Real Madrid and Barcelona, reportedly. It would involve around a limited number of 15 to 18 teams. And it's being bankrolled to the tune of over eight billion US dollars. On the pitch, Leicester City defeated Southampton 1-0 to reach the English FA Cup final for the first time since 1969. Kalechi Iheanacho's second half goal was the first to be cheered by spectators at Wembley in more than a year. A crowd of 4,000 attended the semi-final. Leicester boss Brendan Rodgers says he's looking forward to the challenge of playing in a final against Chelsea, where he once worked as an academy and reserve team coach. It's going to be special. Chelsea's an amazing club. You know, the experience that I received there really set me up to go into management. You know, working with top players, the standards that they set around the club are very, very high. So it'll be a tough game. In the Premier League, Mason Greenwood scored twice in the second half to give Manchester United a 3-1 home win over Burnley. United closed the gap to eight points behind the leaders, Manchester City. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's United now have five Premier League wins in a row though the manager admitted he was a bit worried during the game. Anything can happen in either box, really, because every time there's a cross with the quality they've got, it's it's difficult and you've got your uh, heart in your mouth. And uh, But we, we built some pressure, built some momentum, especially second half down the left with Marcus and Luke. I felt we tried to uh, do the right things and we, we got the goals we, uh, we wanted. Fulham looked like winning their first ever away game against Arsenal, but had to settle for a one-all draw. Eddie and Ketia equalised for the hosts in the 97th minute. Fulham remains six points from safety. Their manager, Scott Parker, believes Arsenal's goal should have been ruled out. In the end, for me, I don't know how the goals stood. My team were relentless today. Passion, desire, of course, we understand that sometimes you need a bit more than that, and you do. And then the last kick of the game, I'm just bemused to, to know why that the goals given to be quite honest with you I don't understand that a little bit confused and for the first time in six years there will be a new name on the women's Champions League trophy the current holders and seven-time champions Lyon were beaten 2-1 by Paris Saint-Germain in the second leg of their quarter-final tie that finished 2-2 on aggregate Lyon went out on away goals and that's your look at sport the news from RTHK I tell you to leave when I tell you go. Cause 
crazy that I say your name more times a day than I say my own. Tell me, baby, is it crazy? Tell me, baby, is it crazy? Is it crazy when you're gone for a minute? I'm missing you, yeah, I feel alone. Is it crazy that I'm jealous of them when they get your time and I know it's wrong? But tell me, is it crazy? Yeah, I need to know what is crazy. And welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Monday afternoon. Monday, the 19th of April, is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil for the morning brew. And we sure have a busy program for you this afternoon. In about 10 minutes or so, we're going to start by hearing from one of the authors of this year's Young Readers Festival, and her name is Suzanne Yunan. And Suzanne will be joining us at about half past one to talk about empowering young people on environmental issues through her work. 
And of course, we hope to bring you that interview on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. And after the 2 o'clock news, fitness coach Nathan Solia joins us once again to talk about uh, the myths and the facts about strength training and aerobic